So good morning. <laughs> uh, as uh, uh, Ant just said, we are uh, today looking at, we're going through the um, uh, family matters and we're looking at how we are a multicultural church. Um, and I love that the dedication was multicultural, wasn't it? Well, isn't that fantastic? <laughs> uh, one thing I will say about the dedication is uh, when we went dedicated our, our children, we did it, um, uh, uh, what's it called? What's the Lion King style? <laughs> we lifted up our kids like that in the air. <laughs> and they, I mean, they were tiny, but you know. <laughs> and uh, so it actually takes, uh, it takes a village to bring up a child, you know. So I would encourage you guys to, to get around those kids, pray for them, Pray for them and uh, encourage them whenever you see them and just, just keep, it does take a village to, and our kids were brought up that way in the church. They used to sleep, in worship, they used to sleep on the sides and, and uh, I'm sure a lot of your, your kids were brought up the same way. So let's jump straight in. So there's three things I want to uh, look at today. Uh, I want to look at the, where the church began as a multicultural church. Uh, I want to look at how we are one, as, as we become one nation, we become one, one people uh, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I also want to look at uh, how the church finishes, the, the, the scripture that Ant just mentioned in Revelations, how, how the church finishes as a multicultural church. Uh, a church, uh, and it's just amazing. So I, I'm going to go straight in there. Uh, last time I preached, it actually was the day of Pentecost, and I, and I read this same scripture, but I'm reading it again. So uh, we're starting with Acts 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, Acts 2, 1 to 7, if you're following it by, in your Bibles. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing, violent wind came uh, from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard them speaking in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears us, hear them speaking in their own language? They were amazed because there was this, these, these disciples all speaking in these different tongues and they were understanding them. And though they never spoke in these tongues before, they were understanding them. They were amazed. And Peter stood up amongst the 11, as I said last time, and he said, don't be amazed by this. This is what, well, be amazed, but don't, don't worry. This is what the, the prophet Joel spoke about 2,000 years ago. And he says in verse 17, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Does that make me an old man? Because I have a lot of dreams. 
even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days, and they will prophesy. And jumping down to uh, verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for God for, sorry, it was impossible for death to keep his hold of him. And last time I said, it's impossible, impossible for death, clammy hands to keep a hold of our Savior. But I, I'm not going to linger on that bit. I'm going to rush down to, uh, this is the bit I want to get to, verse uh, 30, 36. Therefore, all Israel assured of this, be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? That's a really good question. I love it when people say that. What should we do? What, what do we do about this? They don't just brush it aside. They say, help us. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Wow! Isn't that amazing? That is the birth of the church. 3,000 people were added to the church that one day. Multicultural from every tongue and nation. And that's how we started. That's how the church started. And if we look around today, as we've just heard, 28 nationalities represented just in this church, in this room. Well, that is absolutely amazing. 28. Just that, and, and not just here. I mean, the church is multicultural around the whole world. There are every tongue, every nation, every place, every place in the world. You have brothers and you have sisters. Would you believe it? It's amazing. So from its beginning, from the beginning, the Eglisia, the church, was multicultural. And we, and we see in Ephesians where Paul talks about uh, Ephesians 3.14, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Let me just little break that down for you today. Because here Paul is talking about these two words. He's talking about father and family. And these in Greek are actually, uh, the Greek word for father is badera. The Greeks will know that. <laughs> And the, uh, the Greek for family is patrida, which actually could be translated as family, clan, lineage, uh, race, or, or tribe, or nation even. And we are part of a tribe. 
We are part of a, a, a nation. We are part of a race, all right, that, that belongs to God. We have been brought from, uh, from the, the, the family that we were once in, the worldly family, into the godly family. We are part of a tribe. We are part of a nation. We are part of a, a, a people belonging to God. Uh, and what, what, one of the most quoted um, scriptures in the Bible is, um, know what it is? John 3.16. There you go. John 3.16 is probably one of the most quoted uh, scriptures in the Bible. You'll find it on bumper stickers. You'll find it on, on, on little badges. You'll find it on flags. You'll find it everywhere on every, every internet page, uh, Christian internet page you see. You, it's even our, our Wi-Fi code. Should I even say that? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's even our Wi-Fi code. John 3.16. And, and that says... <laughs> we better change that now. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and I've said it online as well. Haven't I? <laughs> we'll add a few numbers at the end, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Right, so it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. Uh, oh, verse 17, I can't, I can't just read that one without reading verse 17, because I love this verse. It says, for God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Wow, that gives me goosebumps when I, I read that. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. He came to die for us. He came to go all the way to the cross for us. That's why he came. And, and, and that's just that's what we base our whole faith on. That one, that one ultimate sacrifice. But I, I know you can probably recite John 3.16 in your sleep because you've heard it so many times. But I just want to break down just uh, one word in that, in that sentence uh, to you to explain to you what it really means. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What does only begotten mean? Well, in the Greek, that, is, that, is, uh, that comes from the word monogenes which is a compound word, which is broken down into two, two parts. Mono, which means only. Genis, which means race. Okay? It can be translated as, as birth, but in this context, it's actually race. He is the monogenes. He is the monogene. Jesus, uh, Jesus is unique. There is... There is no one like him. He's unique. The emphasis is in the mono, the mono, the only begotten son. He is unique. There is, there is only 
him. There is no other, there is not, nothing else. He, there, he is so unique that there's nothing like him. Nothing like him. Where are we? He is the only one of his kind. He is the only one of his kind. So if we read in, in Corinthians, I'm going to just throw a few scriptures at you, but this is Corinthians 15:45. Uh, Paul, the one who said uh, what we spoke about before in Ephesians, he's now saying that the first, it's, so it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. Now, Jesus is referred to here as the last Adam. He actually, uh, he actually puts an end, end to the line of Adam. He's the last Adam. He ends that line, and he starts a new line. He ends that bloodline, and in him, he starts a new bloodline. The monogene, the monogenos. That bloodline. He is that bloodline. And, and whoever, comes, whoever comes to Jesus severs themselves from the line of Adam and they join and they become one with the bloodline of Jesus. Now, Adam's, blood, Adam's bloodline, when, if, you, if you know the, the, the story, there was a fall. And out of that bloodline, there was a curse passed down from generation to generation. Uh, and that curse is that death comes to everyone. Okay? And sin came to everyone. Even those who, who have never sinned in, in their own eyes have, are still part of that bloodline. But Jesus puts an end to that bloodline. He cuts it right there. He puts an end to the bloodline of Adam and he starts a new bloodline in him, okay? And he is the monogene. He is the monogenos. And in him, we find a new bloodline. In Romans uh, eight twenty nine, he says, uh, Paul again, for, uh, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Wow. We are conformed, we are made, we are being made into the image of his son. We are being formed. We are, we are being uh, made to become like his son, in the image of his son, the firstborn. Firstborn there doesn't even, it's not even a reference to the birth of Jesus. It's, it's to the inheritance that Jesus has. He is the firstborn. When you look at, if you look at it, the line of Israel's line, the firstborn was, was entitled to every part of the estate, every part of the house. We are his house. We are his house. And Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So yeah, the multitudes, 
the multitude of people around this world that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior have been brought into the bloodline of Jesus. And, they, and this multitude are part of his, his family. That's, that's great news. Isn't that great news? That's great news. We are no longer part of, of this world. Though we, though we live here, we are no longer part of the world. Though we, uh, though we uh, uh, are part, we interact with the world. We are no really, not really part of this world system. We are a, a new nation. We are, a, we are one nation under God. I mean, look, look, look around the people around you. Just, just take a look around. Just look someone in the eyes. Don't be scared of them. They don't bite. They've got masks on, some of them, anyway, so they won't bite you. <laughs> look at them in the eyes. Now, when you, look at, when you look at them and they look back at you, Jesus looks back at you through their eyes. In them is Christ. In them is the Holy Spirit. In you is the Holy Spirit. You, we, we are... We are not just, uh, we don't just have a common faith. Let me explain, put it that way. We, we're not part of a club, okay? We don't come here because we agree with the same things. Actually, we don't agree with everything, you know, but that's okay. We're not here because we, we read the same books or we like the same films or we, or, or, or we, uh, we, uh, we believe the same mantra, Okay, that's not why we're here. We're here because we are family. Those people you just looked at are family to you. They're actually brothers and sisters to you. Real blood, blood brothers, his blood, Jesus' blood, runs through our veins. And out of those eyes you just looked at, Jesus looks back at you. Wow, isn't that amazing? You know, you, you can find brothers and sisters a, a, anywhere you look. You, you could walk down the road, walk past someone, and you won't even know, but they're your brother and sister. You know? There, there's brothers and sisters. There, there, we have a family that we don't even know. Millions and millions of believers. Wow, we're part of a massive family. Multicultural family, from every tribe, every nation. And they're our sisters uh, and our brothers. And we walk past them every day and sometimes we don't even know. It's amazing. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a football fan, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I know you guys were watching the football yesterday and it was, and 4-0. And was it 4-0? I don't know. I didn't watch it. <laughs> but um, but I'm a tennis fan. I love tennis. So I was watching, I was watching the tennis yesterday. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if any of you seen, have been watching any of the tennis. Have any one of you seen? Lift your hands up if you've seen any of the tennis. There you go. Some of you have seen it. Right. it do you, did you watch the Andy Murray and uh, 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 Nicholas Bash, is it Bashvili, Bashvili or something? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. 
I'll call him Nicholas. Did you watch the, the, the match between Andy and Nicholas? Yeah, anyone watched it? One, two, oh, only a few people. Okay, the first, the first match that baby, uh, they, um, Andy basically um, um, played. But it was a great match. I mean, Andy had the support of all the crowd, uh, as you can imagine. And, uh, and he, he was wiping the floor with, with Nicholas. I'll call him Nicholas. I can't remember his, how to pronounce his second name. And he was wiping the floor. And he, at, at one point, Andy was, was, what was he? Andy was, <laughs> yeah, was he? So you shout it out. If you're going to shout it, shout it. There you go. He, he was five love up, okay? Two sets. He had two sets, five love up, and he had two match points. Is that right? Yeah, Judy knows. <laughs> right. So at this point, I mean, the crowd were just going crazy, and you thought Nicholas is never going to get anything back. But me and my family, we were watching this, and we kind of felt sorry for Nicholas, didn't we, Joseph? We were really sorry for Nicholas because he was like, oh, man, this poor guy. He's got no support apart from these three people in his booth. <laughs> and everyone's cheering for this guy. But then something flipped at that point. It, it, Nicholas came and sat down, as did at Murray, uh, to drink some drink and, and take their little break, what they're going to do. And Nicholas took his shirt off. Who saw him take his shirt off? Anybody to see him take his shirt off? No, no one saw that bit. That's the bit that really changed everything for me. Because the second he took his shirt off, it, it, the whole thing flipped in my head. And I saw him in a different light. He took his shirt off, and on his, right, on his left arm, there was a crucifix tattooed. And then I saw around his neck, there was a cross around his neck. And I went, oh my, he's my brother. That changed in me straight away. And I, I flipped and went onto his side. <laughs> and I started from that point, come on! Come on, Nicholas! And every point, every point, me and Joseph were screaming at the TV. Every point. That he scored. We were, well, come on, brother. Do you know that he won? He won uh, seven games in a row. Seven games in a row. He broke Murray's serve four times. He didn't win the whole match. But he vindicated his name. He didn't walk out of there completely... Because, well, I don't know if it was my, us cheering him on, but there was a couple more people cheering him on than his three guys in, this, in the booth. <laughs> because I saw he's my brother. I mean, that is so important to me, that, that my, my brothers and sisters in this church around the world are blessed. It's so important to me. Because we have, we have the same father. And we have the same blood running through our veins. You know, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
our brother. Now, we started this, this whole thing about a multicultural church right at the beginning of time, right at the beginning of the church in Acts, where 3,000 from every tribe and nation were added to the church. And I'm going to end it with, with Revelation 7. Revelation 7, 9 to 10 says, after this, this is at the end. This is after, after the, the, everything is done. This is at the end of time we're talking about here. And it says, after this, and I, I looked, and there before me was a multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out loud in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Wow. A multitude that no one could count. No one could count. A sea of people stretching out as far as the eye could see and further. No one could count. No one can count these people. That is so encouraging to me. You know that, that, that they tell us that the church is, is dwindling and the, the church in, in this country is, 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 is going, it's disappearing. But that's not true. That's a lie. That's actually a lie. A multitude that no one could count. That is the promise of God. That is the promise of our Father. That is what he set out to do. That's what he sent Jesus to do. That, that those who believe in his name will be saved and they will be added to our number. To be added to the family of God. To be added to the family of God. A multitude. Now you may be sitting here or, or listening to this online and you're thinking, what is this guy on about? What does, it, doesn't, what does it mean? What is he talking about monogene and, and Christ and us being one with Christ? And I just want to tell you today that, that God loves you. That's what I'm trying to say. The Father, Father God loves you. He's... he's not angry with you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. And he wants you to be part of his, his family. He, he's longing for you to come in. And so that he could, he could father you and love you. That's what, he, that's what he wants. The bloodline of Jesus Christ is there. And he's waiting for you. You don't have to. You don't have to be part of the world system anymore. You can step out of that. You can step out of Adam's line, the line, the curse that came down from Adam, and you can step into the bloodline of Jesus where there is blessing, where there is healing, where there is acceptance, where there is deliverance, where, there, where, where God himself becomes your father. Wow. 
That is the offer on the table. That is the offer on the table. The Bible says Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. We, all we need to do is just choose that life. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we sung that song today, Jesus is Lord, Messiah. And we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. It's that simple. God has not made it complicated. Maybe my preach was a little bit complicated for some. But it, God has not made it complicated. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, his only begotten, will not perish but have everlasting life. Because it was with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So I, 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 I can't preach without giving this same opportunity every time. I, I want to pray with you guys and give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ into, um, as your Lord and Savior and step into that bloodline. And step into that bloodline. So if we, all, if we can all just bow our heads. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I, I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay, I don't want to embarrass you. That's the last thing I want to do. But in your heart, in your heart, if you want to, pray this prayer with me. Just repeat the words I, I, re, I repeat. And online, if, if you're watching this online, just repeat these words. Uh, and I want to pray this prayer of faith with you to, to allow you that opportunity to step into that bloodline. So, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now to be restored in you, to be renewed in you, to receive your life and your love and all the grace and mercy I so desperately need. I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that I might be set free. I believe you paid the price for me, that I may be cut off from my old self, the old man, and be brought into your family. Lord, I repent. That means turning away. Lord, I turn away from everything that I have, may have done to others or to you, Lord. And I turn to you, Lord. And I ask that you will redeem me, that you will set me free, that you will save me and anoint me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.